Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Be Not Afraid comes from Ball Team, your builder of all faith-based construction needs. Learn more at buildwithball.com. Now, hear the good news and be not afraid. Good morning. Welcome to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. Father Peña, good morning. Good morning, Father. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, who for the evangelization of people strengthened the Bishop St. Anthony Mary Claret with admirable charity and long-suffering, grant through his intercession that seeking the things that are yours, we may earnestly devote ourselves to winning our brothers and sisters for Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The initial question today came from the missionaries. Sometimes we presume that only the missionaries are calling to the evangelization responsibility into the Catholic Church. But I call myself as a diocesan parochial priest, also as missionary priest, that we are in mission to continue the evangelization from our church. So there's been a tension um, near the heart of the church, really probably since the late 3rd or early 4th century. So from the time that the Roman Empire began to first be really and meaningfully Christianized, and the church began in a much more intentional way to organize and structure itself internally. There's been a confusion between sort of the universality of the church and the missionary mandate of Christ. So Christ very clearly instructs the apostles to go forth and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of Correct. the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. There's an it's the main commitment. All, the main commandment. It's the, the, it's the great commission. It replaces all the rest. Um, or cements all the rest. But, uh, but that, but, but then the church, once it goes places and grows, has to organize itself. So, um, you know, I, I think the best way to get our minds around this is traditional parish boundaries. Most people have, at least in the back of their brains, once upon a time, parishes were geographic territories and you wouldn't like cross the boundary without talking to the pastor. And that's true. And that, that was a common feature of our life for a long, long, long time. Um, the trouble with it is every place belongs to somebody. Uh, the bishop who happens to have Cape Canaveral in his, uh, in his territory is also the bishop of the moon. But that doesn't mean that there's a church on the moon. And it doesn't mean that if there were moon people on the moon, they wouldn't need to be missioned. I, I like to make an apparentis between it. Uh, my mom, in uh, her uh, loving care about me, said when I went to Colombia in one occasion, uh, could you please go to the, our parish over there next mm -hmm. to Santa Juana de Arco, San John of the Arc, Arc, and said, because the, the, the father doesn't have help in, for that mass. And I said, Mom, I don't have permission from my bishop and also for the other local bishop, bishop mm -hmm. about it. And many people, especially lay people, did not realize it's not an invisible borders or frontiers. Right. It's more than that. Behind it is a huge theological dimension about hierarchical and also obedience. Yeah, so you've got you so you've got internal hierarchy in the church that is structured or organized in ways to make uh -huh. it, it work well. And 
you've got this recognition that alongside the church, wherever she is, you have people that don't belong to her yet. Correct. Or that belong to her but have not been around for a long time or have long since fallen away or in real trouble and need help. And so the missionary mandate given given by Christ is really incarnated, exemplified most in the universal character of the church, that the church goes everywhere and brings everybody in. So every diocesan priest, even though he has a, a parish to which he is proper and a territory that he's responsible for, is called to be missionary. Correct. First in that territory, but then also to the extent that his work calls him into, into the territory of his brothers there as well. Be, be, beautiful understanding that obedience is not an a law of the laws or simple regulation in terms of, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, political dimensions. Mm-hmm. We, we must see in the whole picture how the church delegate authority mm-hmm. at the local level for a better organization in the distribution of the sacraments in cell by the church. So if somebody approached me at the airport when I dress in that clerical attire and said, you are a priest? Yes. Catholic priest? Yes. Well, you have to ask it. Nobody, nobody right, knows right, if you right, are right, right. The, the good one. So I am able to listen to that confession or not. Yeah. So in travel and specifically um, in, in, in places that like, are... Like an airport. Right? Exactly. If, if, if you've got faculties one place, you've got faculties another. Um, but when you But when you're in like a person's... Like you wouldn't walk into some strange person's church and try and celebrate mass without permission. Like that's the that that that's the difference. But what it's really intended to do here, right? So that side of things keeps us organized and uh, holds us accountable. But um, but the but the, the 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 outside of it, right, makes us available and 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 sort of constantly on work, constantly on mission. Which is why you look like a priest even when you're on vacation. The reason this is important today, of all days, is because of St. Anthony Mary Claret. Correct. Who had so much to do with organizing and structuring the church, especially in the New World and and, and the way that we come to sort of order ourselves, and in his emphasis that even diocesan priests, even regular families in ordinary parishes, are called to be missionaries. And part of the evangelization, that is the meaning of the Catholic Church itself, you know, proclaim the goodness of the Lord. So, so Claret, you know, was was in kind of the height of clerical societies, right? Like he, he he's deeply embedded in sort of old European nobility, but he has an eye to the future, and he realizes both that there are places in Europe that have fallen into great lack of faith and lack of practice, and that there's a whole new world that needs to be missioned and 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 apostolized, but in a, in a way that the, the, the peoples that are already there could be receptive to and wouldn't be resistant to. How can I understand as a lay person in my local environment, I call in my family, be an instrumental evangelization tool from God? I think when it comes to families, the best place to look is, is the example of the New Testament because we do see very clear examples of how families operate both when there are practicing and non-practicing Christians in the same household. But I think in general what it calls all of us to do is look beyond the domain of the particular family into the wider communities that they're a part of. School, work, sports, activities, community organizations, whatever, and figure out how to be missionaries there. 
do we do we even introduce Jesus into the conversation, or do we politely abstain in order to get along? Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. This is Bishop Andrew Cousins, chair of the National Eucharistic Revival, with this Eucharistic moment. Do you know what it is like to long for a loved one to return home? Whether it is a child that went away for college or a family member who has been deployed overseas? Do you believe that Jesus longs for you in this way? This is why he died for you. He gave his life for us so that he could come to us in Holy Communion. His heart longs to be united with your heart. When was the last time that you stopped to visit him in the tabernacle? Do you imagine when you're coming to him in Holy Communion that he's longing to be united with you? It doesn't matter if you've been away for a long time. Through confession, you can always come home. He is longing to come to you. Don't stay away from him. This is the Eucharistic Revival, and this is Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Catholic Charities of the Diocese of Des Moines, where empowering individuals and strengthening families have been the cornerstone of care for a century. Services for neighbors in need include a food pantry, professional counseling, emergency family shelter, and refugee resettlement. At Catholic Charities, lives are transformed, and you can be part of the mission. To learn more about how to help Catholic Charities fulfill Christ's promise of help and hope, visit CatholicCharitiesDM.org. Welcome back to Be Not Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. St. Simon and St. Jude, very interesting saints. So, if we're talking about saint, saints, we need to disclose first what is the role of the saints in the Catholic Church? So the saints are those who have gone before us in faith and who now rest in the vision of God, um, uh, many of whom are recognized on the church by the church on earth as exemplary models of what Christian life and living should look like. Perfect. So intercessors, mediators, but if I am from the light perspective, how I receive an miracle by the intercession of the saints or by perform by my devotion to the saint. So miracles and all or providential all, all providential actions ultimately come about by the grace of God. Period. But the grace of God is most often mediated. Very seldom do you just get like a dollop of grace all by itself absent anything okay. else. Okay. The most ordinary experience of mediation that most of us uh, probably have is just the sacraments. Correct. The sacraments mediate grace. And so the, the, the external sign communicates the grace that it signifies internally to the soul. So you receive Holy Communion, uh, the, 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 the Lord's body and blood enter into your body, but, but the, the effects of the grace remain long after the, the, the accidents have passed through your belly, right? <laughs> And so, so, so the same thing is sort of true here. The intercession of the saints, right, is the, is the primary activity of the elect of God in heaven. Like, this is what they do, is they just pray, 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 pray. And, um, and God chooses, God doesn't um, delimit this uh, mediation just because a person happens to be dead. He'll continue to work with them, in them, through them, even after their death. Sometimes that happens to us here on earth in a very, what looks like a very natural way. 
um, by the example of those that we've died, you know. The, so, you know, you, you stumble across an old book of your grandmother's or something, and this brings grandma to mind and it leads you to virtuous behavior. Well, in that way, grandma, even after death, has helped mediate grace, right? Excellent. But in a, in a much more direct but hidden or mysterious way that we can't see as well, the saints in heaven intercede on behalf of those living here on earth and work for their salvation. And because we know that happens, we can petition them directly when we know we need particular kinds of help. Back to my mind, the beautiful passage about the wedding in Cana, when the Blessed Virgin Mary said, doing whatever he said. He tells you. Mm -hmm. and, and I believe also the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, delegate any authority about providential action in our Lord Jesus Christ himself. There's, a, there's an Orthodox priest who's very good on this these days called Andrew Stephen Damick, um, and people should feel free to check him out. He's, 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 he's very, very good on, on, on this point in particular. And on the intercession of the saints in general, um, one of the things he points out is that very, very early on, like within the first two centuries, it's not just the veneration of particular saints, but patronages attached to those saints as patrons of places or things or elements or whatever. And, 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 and very early on, way before the Protestant critique came at the Reformation, there were pagans who said, oh, come on now, you're just taking away like the goddess of the river and replacing her with the saint of the river. And the response of the fathers is brilliant. Chrysostom says, you're right. <laughs> you're right. But we're not, we're not worshiping the goddess. What we're doing is we're recognizing that whatever angel God had set over that river fell. So there's a place open in heaven now, and God's gonna, God loves humankind so much and has restored uh, grace and dignity to humankind so much by the incarnation and redemption found in Jesus that now a mere human being will be delegated the responsibility of caring for that river. Excellent. Now, it's, this is... Um, uh, in a certain sense, metaphorical, but but it's pointing to deep and important truths about the faith, which is why the saints that we keep this week, Simon and Jude, are so essential to the life of the Christian faithful. So this is why their names, Simon and Jude, occur together in the canon of the Mass and are also celebrated on the same day. They may be paired together because they both preached the gospel in Mesopotamia and Persia, where it is said they had both been sent, but in actual fact, we know nothing for certain about them beyond what is told us of their being called the, as apostles in the New Testament. St. Jude is the author of short epistle, which forms part of the New Testament. So the epistle of St. Jude is very, very short, but it's worth reading, especially on, on, uh, on the feast day. Um, uh, it's a little weird, and you might need some footnotes to help figure out some of what's going on there, but 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 it's worth it. Um, you know, the the the, the tradition, th th this is one of the things that's hard, is that, you know, we'll say things like, we can't know anything about this person beyond what's known in the New Testament, and then even what's known in the New Testament is not very clear or much, like, what, what can actually be known? I wouldn't, I wouldn't press that that far. Like, there are traditions, at least with Jude— of of him being in Armenia, what's now Armenia, uh, uh, by, like, the traditions go back to the 2nd century. So, 
that seems as reasonable a data point as any I could come up with for anybody else from the New Testament, right? And 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 consistently, not only the people there in Armenia, but all the people around them, especially the people in what's now Turkey, who mostly don't like Armenians and never have, they think Saint Jude was there too. Oh, okay. so when you have attestation both from the people on the inside and on the outside, that now you've really really got something. The great uh, mystery of St. Jude, uh, the apostle and his relics, which just visited here a month or so ago, right, um, is is precisely that the Turks, um, uh, when they became Muslim, wanted to destroy this Christian shrine, and that and that enough Muslims were healed at the Christian shrine, they let it stay. Wow. So, so, so this gives you a sense of why St. Jude is so associated with the impossible, the desperate, the 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 the, the, the worn down and the, the seemingly hopeless. You are completely right. He is the patronage of desperate situations, forgotten causes, hospital workers, hospitals, impossible causes, lost causes, dioceses of St. Petersburg and Florida. It's very interesting. And at the same time, if we speak about Saint Simon, he's the patronage of couriers, salmon, sawyers. And tanners. So, so these patronages get associated both because of things from the saint's life, but also and especially from the people that have had devotion to them. And, uh, and, and, and St. Jude's own experience of great desperation has become a source of great consolation for all of us who find ourselves similarly desperate. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Now these 12 apostles that our Lord gathered to himself were very much like the chemicals in a laboratory. They were very individualistic. They were very much like, as I say, the hydrogen and phosphates and sulfur in in a laboratory. In fact, we have in a laboratory 100% of all the chemicals that enter into the constitution of a baby. Why can we not make a baby? Because we lack that vivifying, unifying power, which is a soul. And so the apostles were disparate, disconnected, disjointed. They could not form this body of Christ. They could be formed only by Christ sending his spirit into them. And as through the physical body of our Lord, it was God who taught. It was God who governed. It was God who sanctified. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Throughout history, our Lord has shown us that He is truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. Experience these wonders for yourself as Iowa Catholic Radio presents the Vatican International Exhibition, Eucharistic Miracles of the World, at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Winterset, now through November 1st. Learn more about how you can bring this beautiful panel display to your parish, school, or faith-based organization by calling 515-223-1150. Or visit iowacatholicradio.com. Like Iowa Catholic Radio on Facebook. Welcome back to Being Afraid, Iowa Catholic Radio. 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. St. Paul, in the first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 5 to 10, said, Brothers and sisters, You know what sort of people we were among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you became a model for all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. 
Achaia, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth not only there in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every but in every place your faith in God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves openly declare about us what sort of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to await his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the coming wrath. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, every lector that's ever worried about fumbling over a word, you're in good company now. <laughs> so, what happened in that context to St. Paul looks the necessity to describe these two cities yep. in the first part and then moving to that a particular <laughs> exhortation about idols. So I think the way to th- I think the best way to think about what St. Paul's writing here f- today would be in terms of church planting. Okay. Uh, the, the, the way the way Protestants will talk about church planting now or or we would say building new parishes. Mm-hmm. And so the, the 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 great example here I think would be St. Luke's and Ankeny, okay? So St. Luke's and Ankeny is a relatively new parish, right? It's okay. it's the newest sort of in the metro area. Um and it is experiencing exceptional growth, right? It, it is growing by volume much faster than yours or mine, which are much, much, much older parishes, right? Correct. <clears throat> so St. Paul is writing to to an established church and pointing to these newer churches and saying, see what's happened here? What happened here can happen here. What happened there can happen here. What's going on with these two, uh, you can do and, and more. Um, and and he's calling the Thessalonians to their to their own species of faithfulness because of what they've already proven, which is why he calls them imitators of God and of me. Excellent. But this uh, slight exhortation helped me to back in my mind that in our previous segment we were talking about Saint Judas and and uh, Saint Simon and Jude, and Saint Jude have an, a very particular devotion for the. Latino Hispano community. So it will be interesting to describe that sometimes in our colloquial, may I use respectfully, superstitionally attitude in our relationship with the saints, we thinking that is just asking St. Jude whatever I want, even if it's against God's will, he will be interested for my needs. Yeah. When I'm talking about material things. I have had a particular experience uh, in a couple of weeks ago when somebody asked me to bless uh, St. Jude statue, um, uh, statue. A statue. I mean, I'm a little one, but was an a tithe in the right hand and a, and a bill with five dollars. And I said, uh, "Mom, what do you mean to have these five dollars in the hand of the saints?" Because According to the tradition, he will be multiplied 4,000 times. So that kind of perception about not only in terms of monetary goal, but also that pursuit, my relationship with the saint as idol that provide in, the, in, this, in this condition and a material uh, satisfaction, I think is a completely distortionate interpretation about that saint's intercession. So so superstition is what happens in the church when we play the game of telephone. 
Okay. So the game of telephone, right? Uh, that children are taught to play in English-speaking countries, right? Is 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 you sit kids in a circle, you give them, you give a kid a word or a, a thing to say, they whisper it to the next kid, the next kid whispers it to the next kid, until around the circle, and by the time it gets back to the front, it no longer means whatever was said to begin with, right? Right. The word superstition is derived from superscription. So super meaning above and script meaning written. So it's what was written above the text. And specifically, it refers to explanations in ritual texts that were designed to explain why a particular word or action was called for that was wrong. And so so what happens is, much as in the example you provide, think about novenas, okay? Novenas are nine days of prayer. Correct. Nine days of especially intense, focused, directed prayer. Where does it come from? From the scripture, from the nine days between the Ascension and the Pentecost. So for nine days, the apostles and the Blessed Virgin fasted and prayed, waiting for the gift of the Spirit. On the ninth day, the Spirit came. Okay. So from the second century, Christians have fasted and prayed for nine days when in especially important or desperate kind of circumstances. This leads people to think that the sort of the magic is in the nine days. The effectiveness of the prayer is in the nine days. There's something special about the nine. Then it's not just nine days of prayer, but nine particular prayers, not just nine particular prayers, but nine, our fathers and nine Hail Marys and nine glory bees attached to the nine particular prayers. Right. Correct. And, 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 and what has happened is the connection between what made the prayer effective, the, the, the reception of the spirit of the Pentecost has been totally lost. Okay. So the same kind of thing is true with St. Jude. So 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 St. Jude has shown himself to be a terrific intercessor over the course of the church's history. And no doubt when when people received that intercession at particular moments, they did very particular things. But they mistook the particular thing that they did with what was effective about the prayer and not just God's grace and their willingness to receive. It's very interesting when you said that is a non-clear understanding how is our relationship with our saints. But at the same time, is something happening in the human being that I am looking for that kind of immediate resolution, immediate response. So the basic difference between magic and superstition, as the church would understand this, and like, and like sacraments and grace, is that magic is mechanical. You do this, you say this, and it's intended to result in the following spiritual effect. Correct. Whereas sacraments and grace are always personal. They're dependent on personal relationship and they're not magical in their effects. They are, their effects are real. And we would say even more profound or effective than, than can be accomplished by superstition or magic. But they're, but they're effective precisely because of the real and human relationship between the individual and the Lord Jesus, not because particular words or actions immediately affect particular things all by themselves. Could you please send us with your blessing, Father? May the peace and the blessing of Almighty God uh, come down upon you and remain with you forever, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Iowa Catholic Radio, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Jesus is on the way to encounter you. Go forward and be not afraid. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Be Not Afraid comes from Ball Team, your builder of all faith-based construction needs. Learn more at buildwithball.com.